Good morning. Well, the title of my message is Be a Good Neighbor. And if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke chapter 10. The story of the Good Samaritan. The Gospel of Luke chapter 10, starting from verse 25. And if you are able to, would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put him in an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think was a good neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is contained in this passage. And indeed, Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your truth, that you would help to challenge us, and that, Lord, you would help us to be obedient as we respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. The story of the Good Samaritan takes place on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, this parable. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a distance of 17 miles. It also was notoriously dangerous. The road ran narrow. It ran very rocky and desert country, which provided places for the robbers to hide and then to attack travelers who were defenseless against the attack. So when Jesus told this story, he was telling about the kind of thing that was constantly happening on that road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, people seldom attempted the road alone, especially if they were carrying goods or other valuables. They would seek safety in numbers, or they would travel in convoys or caravans. Unfortunately, the man in this story was on his own. And because of that, he was attacked, he was robbed, and he was beaten left half dead. In verse 31, it says, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. 
priests were religious leaders and it was their duty to help people and to lead them spiritually. However, it seemed that this priest had no intention of stopping. So why? Why wouldn't a man of God, a man who was supposed to lead and help people, especially spiritually, why would he see this man and not want to stop? Well, you have to understand that it may not have been that he didn't want to help this man, but according to the law in Numbers chapter 19, verse 11, it said, all those who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. So it's not that he may not have wanted to help the man, but he had no way of knowing if this man was dead or if he was still alive. And by taking the risk of going over and touching him and helping him, it would have deemed him ceremonial unclean. And if he was unclean, he would not be able to carry out the responsibilities in the temple. He would not be able to carry out his priestly duties for seven days because of the fact that he was unclean if the man was dead. So he feared that this man was dead and to touch him meant losing his turn of duty in the temple. So he set the ceremonial ritual above helping someone in need. Then in verse 32, it says, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, the Levite, the tribe of Levite, were where the priests came out of. But this Levite was not a priest. He was just from that tribe. So he was a layperson, so to speak. He knew the religious laws. He knew that it was important to help people. But he also knew the dangers of helping people. You see, many times bandits were in the habit of using decoys. One would act the part of a wounded man. When some unexpected traveler stopped over to help him, the others would rush him and overpower him, attacking him as well and possibly robbing and beating him to death. So the Levite was so concerned about his safety that he would take no risks in helping other people. Now, of course, we need to be concerned about our own safety. Common sense tells us that we need to watch our own safety, and especially the day and age that we live in. We need to be concerned about safety. However, if we come into a situation of someone in need who may be in danger and our lives may be in danger, it probably isn't the best for us to stop and to help them. However, that doesn't mean that we can't go for help, call someone else to come, or a turn to the right people to ask for help, instead of just passing by on the other side, pretending that we did not see the problem. Now finally, someone comes along who is willing to help this man. In verse 33, it says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. The Samaritan was the one who saw him and took pity on him. Or as other translations may say, had compassion on him. Being a good neighbor is having compassion on other people. Being a good neighbor is showing others who are in need compassion. 
The God that we serve is compassionate. And being a good neighbor shows compassion to other people alone. Now, not only was it commendable that this man was compassionate, but it also was significant that he was the one who stopped. You see, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They had no dealings with each other. Jews often viewed Samaritans as half-breeds. Half-breeds physically, half-breeds spiritually. They, they were known sworn enemies. So they didn't get along with each other. They didn't talk to each other. They definitely didn't help each other. An example of this is when Jesus was at the well, and that's why in John chapter 4, verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They didn't get along. They didn't associate. They definitely did not help each other. And so for this man to not only see, but to want to help showed that he indeed was a compassionate person. Helping other people is not always easy, especially when they are strangers, especially when they have hurt us, especially when they have wronged us, especially when we see that they're in pain and instead of wanting to help, we wanna rejoice because they've hurt us that much. But being a good neighbor is someone who shows compassion, even when the other person may not deserve it. You see, this man who was walking on the road by himself basically brought upon himself this situation to happen. People knew you weren't supposed to travel alone, especially if it was at night. And this man was traveling on his own. And so in a sense, he deserved what he got. But yet the Samaritan saw his need and had compassion on him. And sometimes in life, we see people who are going through things. And oftentimes our response may well be, they brought that on themselves. They deserve what they're getting. They deserve that punishment because they did that to themselves. And you know what? That may be true, but it's not our job to judge. It's our job to come alongside, to show compassion, to show love, and to help them if we can. Imagine if you were in that situation. It's always easier for us to point the finger and to say what they should have done or what they could have done or what we would have done if we were in their situation. But there are sometimes when we are in that situation and the tables are turned and we would want others to have compassion upon us as well. You see, God is a compassionate God and he calls us to show compassion to other people as well. And the compassion that God shows extends far beyond color. It extends far beyond culture. It extends far beyond language and where we're from and what we do and the money that we make. It has no limits and no borders. And the compassion that we show other people should not be based on anything but simply the fact that they are a human being. They are created in God's image and he loves them. That is the kind of compassion that God calls us to show other people. 
Our neighbor is not only the person who lives next door. Our neighbor is also not only the person who's from the same country that we're from. Our neighbor is not only the people that we work with, but our neighbor is everyone. And sometimes I hear people say, you know, we've got to stick together. We're from the same country, we're from the same part, we're from the same this or that, you know. But you see, our neighbor is everyone. We are children of God. We are children of the Lord Most High. And no matter where we're from, no matter what language we speak or country we identify with, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are one in the body. We are one in the body. Galatians chapter three, verse 28 says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in his body. Not only did this Samaritan have compassion upon this injured man, but he also was willing to do something about his need. He saw and he was compassionate, but it didn't stop there. He was willing to do something about this man's need. In verse 34, it says he went off and he went and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. You see, a good neighbor does something about the need. Does something about this need. Now, I will be honest with you that we cannot go and help every single person that we encounter, right? You know that and I know that. You're smart enough to know that we just can't stand and hand out money every time someone asks. We also have to practice good stewardship and we also have to be wise. Amen? Amen. And sometimes we ourselves are just not in a position to help someone. But that does not mean that we shouldn't try if we can. That doesn't mean that we can't point them towards someone or a group of people or an organization that can. But simply seeing someone in need and saying, I'll pray for you, is sometimes just not enough. But may we go and may we try. Whether it be, maybe we don't want to give. Sometimes I don't feel like I want to give someone just hand over money. But you know what I will do? I will go and I will buy you a meal. I will go and I will bring you a bag of groceries. I will go and I will do this for you. Or I will drive you somewhere or take you to that doctor's appointment. You see, seeing and having compassion upon people is not just enough. But doing something about that need if we can. Being a good neighbor tries to do something about that need, whatever that may be. And as Christians, we are called to show compassion. We are called to love one another. We are called to do our best. But that doesn't mean that we are to be taken advantage of. That doesn't mean that we are to just hand out money every single time people ask. There's a quote that I live by, and it's a famous quote. And it says, give a man a fish, and he'll eat for a day. But teach a man to fish, and he will eat for the rest of his life. We are to help people to become self-sufficient. We are to do something about that need. When someone is in dire need financially, yes, if we can help them financially, great. But even more, that person needs someone to sit down with them and see what they're spending all the wrong money on, their income versus their spending. You know, we need to go the extra mile and we need to do that for them. Being a good neighbor 
does something about that need. Being a good neighbor not only sees and has compassion, but compassion means nothing when it's not accompanied by deeds. And so simply saying, we'll pray for you, is not always enough. But if we can do something about that need, may we meet it, or may we help to point them in the direction of someone who is able to help them. As I said, examples, bringing someone a bag of groceries, helping someone to pay for their kids to go to day camp, offering to babysit once in a while, giving someone a ride or going to a doctor's appointment or visiting them in the hospital, whatever it is, may we do something about that need if we can. This Samaritan man saw a need, he had compassion, he did something, but even more, he did more than was expected of him. Not only did this man help to bandage the wounds of the injured man, not only did he help to get him to a place of safety, but he went over and above what was expected of him. He took him to this inn, he took care of him there, and then he had to leave. So he left him there in the inn, and it says that he gave the innkeeper money. Now, depending on your translations, it's often referred to as two denarii, which was two days' wages, which would actually keep the man in the inn for up to two months. He not only did what he had to do, but he went over and above what was expected of him. A good neighbor does more than is expected. A good neighbor does over and above what others expect of them. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, it says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. If a person demands that you carry it for a mile, not only carry it for a mile, but actually go two miles. Why is the scripture there? Because in Jesus' day, a soldier could demand, it was the law, that a person help if they were able to carry their gear or carry something for them for up to a mile. So it was law that if I needed help and I was in a position of authority and you were able to help me, that I could demand that you carry this for me. And you were required to by law for up to a mile. That's why Simon of Cyrene was called upon to help Jesus to carry his cross to his place of crucifixion because it was law that he was able to if he was physically able to for up to a mile. But what this scripture is saying that yes, it is required that you carry it for up to a mile, but don't stop there. Instead of just carrying it for one mile, go the extra mile. Carry it for two miles. What Jesus is saying is don't just do what is expected of you. Go over and above and do even more. Do even more. Do more than is expected of you when it comes to your work. Many of us who go to work, you just want to do the bare minimum, right? You go and you you, you let the time pass and, and you just try to get by. I saw this cartoon that said, you know, I can put up with going to work, but this eight hour wait to go home is just ridiculous. (laughs) We go to work and instead of just doing the bare minimum, that is required of you, go over and above and do more. 
Show your employer that you're not just there just to fulfill the minimum, but you're there and you are willing to work and work hard. When it comes to your schoolwork, don't just try to pass, but study hard. Study and do your best so that you will achieve good grades. Study and do your best because you want to do your best, because you want to learn, not just get by, but you actually want to be there to learn something. It's not easy, but go and do more than is expected of you. When it comes to different things in life, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your children, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to your ministry in church or tithing or taking care of your kids, whatever it is, sometimes we just want to get by, do what we have to do, and move on with it. But Jesus says, don't just go the one mile. Go the extra mile. Do even more than is expected of you. Do more than is expected of you. May we strive to do more than is expected to, of us so that when others ask, we can say, it's because of Jesus in me. It's because of Christ in me. Not because of anything I've done, but because of Christ in me. When we talk about being a good neighbor, it, we can also say, it may be similar to saying, it's important for us to be a good person. However, being a good person is not enough. Being a good person is not enough. I'm sure you've heard and I've heard countless times people say, well, I don't need to accept Jesus. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do this. I'm a good person. You've heard that. I'm a good person. That's enough. Unfortunately, it's not enough. You see, Jesus asks in the beginning, he asks him, what does the law say? What, what does it say? In verse 25, the, the man asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And you see, my friends, this is probably the most important question that we can ask ourselves and that we can examine. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Because at the end of this day, the life that we live on earth is temporary and eternal life is forever. Jesus says, and he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, when we follow this, when we love God with all that we are, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind, with all of our being, and we love our neighbor as ourself, these two combined we will keep those 10 commandments. We will see the Lord one day because when we are so in love with God to that extent, then we will be following the things of the Lord. We will be seeking after him. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will take care of our brothers and sisters even when they don't take care of us. We will strive to do our best. We will be the good neighbor that God wants us to do. You see, we cannot be a good neighbor if we first have not accepted and experienced the love of God. It is only after we experience and we have an encounter with God and we experience the love that he has to give, it is only then that we can show that love to others and be a good neighbor. 
Put God first, love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with everything that you are. You cannot love others until you first have been in love with God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? We must love God, but we also must love our brothers and sisters. You see, religion does not matter when it comes to helping a brother or sister. You see, color does not matter. Race, culture, language, status, job, none of that matters when it comes to our brothers and sisters. None of that matters when it comes to God. You see, at the end of the day, when all of that is stripped away and we stand before God, when we stand before God, the only thing that will matter is that we are a child of him. The kind of job that we had, the kind of car that we drove, the language that we spoke or the country that we came from, none of that will matter at the end of the day. And in this world, unfortunately, there is so much turmoil, there is so much hate, there is so much problems, because instead of looking at someone to be a human being, we look at race. We look at the color of their skin. We look at the language that we speak, or we look at the religion that they are part of, and we, say, and we judge them based on that. But God says to love deeper to love wider, to go and look past all of those things and to see people as he sees them. To go past all of these things. And you see, if we did just that, if we loved God with all that we were, if we loved our neighbor as ourselves, then this world would be a world of peace. If we could only do that. And we could pray for peace in the world and that's good. But you see, the only person that that can start with is us. And so we're not responsible for all that happens in the world, but we are responsible for ourselves. And may that start in us. Being a good neighbor is having compassion upon people. It's doing something about that need, and it's doing more than is expected of us. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and be a good neighbor. When you've experienced my love, then you can go and you can be a good neighbor.